0: Welcome to the Project Future podcast for people looking to launch and build their own amazing business, with me, Rob Kerr. A few years ago, I asked myself, how can people considering starting a business be confident they are making the right decision, and how can they improve their chances of success? The answer has become my book titled Project Future, Six Steps to Success as Your Own Boss. A Facebook group called The Project Future Club, where we support each other to launch and build our own amazing businesses and this podcast where every Tuesday a business owner shares their story including great tips about what to do and what not to do when launching or growing a business to empower you to make better decisions on your own journey. You'll find the show notes and transcripts at robker.co.uk So in these uncertain times if starting a business could be the right option for you and your family read the book join the Facebook group and enjoy the show. Now let's move on to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of the Project Future podcast. My guest in today's episode is Joanna Rawbone, a change agent and advocate for introverts. With a career background as a trainer, she's the creator of Flourishing Introverts, which is designed to support those who want to fulfill their potential without pretending to be something they're not. Joanna's also a contributor to my book, Project Future, and I was honoured for her to write the foreword. In this conversation, Joanna explains how introverts can play to their own strengths, how introverts recharge differently to extroverts, why she looks to demonstrate credibility through assets, the value of a TEDx talk, how categorization could be useful, and why it's not an excuse, how the extroversion bias can be mitigated why mitigating the extroversion bias should be part of the diversity, equity and inclusion agenda considered by all employers. And finally, her mission to make an impact within education. Joanna's best advice is to hold it lightly. Let's have a listen.
1: Hi Joe. welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Thank you so much, and as I say, this is the the third or fourth conversation that we've had of this type uh, from the the interviews that we had that that led to your contributions to Project Future. So I'm delighted to be able to share one uh, with with the world, effectively now. So I'd love for you to start by telling us a bit about your background as a trainer and how you became your own boss.
1: Yeah, I've, uh, it's a great place to start because I've got quite a, I think, quite an interesting background in that I was. A female engineer in BT at a time when women didn't do that kind of stuff. So I'm talking about back in the 80s. And the progression from there was on into the world of training, as it was called then, of course, learning and development, as we refer to it now, at a time when BT was launching total quality management. So that was 87. In fact, I remember my promotion letter arrived the day after the storm. Do you remember the amazing storm of 87? Well, that was the day my promotion letter arrived. And although I was, as an introvert, I was really quite, I don't know the right way to describe it, quite nervous, I think, and a bit hesitant initially as a trainer. Very quickly, like within the space of two or three weeks, I realized I'd found my passion in life. And so from 87 through to now, I haven't wanted to do anything else. It's been absolutely amazing. Uh, I eventually left BT in 94 and decided that having never had a career break, I knew I wanted to set up my own business. I decided I was going to take six months out in order to kind of shape my business and get some plans in place, do all the things that we really should do. And then I picked up my first gig at my leaving due. So I never did get six months out. I never did get to shape my business. And I'm not saying I recommend it this way, but my business has been completely organic in the way that it's grown. I now talk about the fact that I think I'm unemployable. <laughs> I've been my own boss for so long, since 94, so way too long to want to answer to anybody else or to. Decide that I'm going to take the afternoon off and work this evening instead. So I I've often wonder whether I ought to be careful about that because one day I might want a job, but you know what? I don't think so. I think I genuinely am unemployable.
0: Yeah, I I think that's great. And the way that you've you've kind of organically moved along, you know, during that time as well, and how things have have progressed. And amazing that you 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 picked up your first client at your leaving do, and then suddenly plans were Plans changed, (laughs) and you exactly, (laughs) yeah. It's 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 amazing how things can work that way, can't they? So, how were those early years as a trainer?
1: When I was employed, it was really it was actually really brilliant. I couldn't have had a better start because it was in the heyday of British Telecom of BT. When I was training to be a trainer, we went on lengthy courses, three weeks training to be a trainer, then with a follow up course then with other modules around how to design training, how to evaluate training, how to determine training needs. Then I went on and became a facilitator. So the training that I had in that field was extraordinary. And I am forever thankful for BT for that. Because nowadays, people become trainers after two days of train the trainer. And I think they're missing so much that's essential in order to be a great trainer. So I absolutely loved it. One of the things I loved is I knew I was making a difference. And that's something that has run through my life is the importance of me for making a difference. And when I started getting feedback from people, and people would come back on courses kind of two or three years later, and say things like, I still remember what you said to me, do you remember where we were, we were in that office, and you said this, and that's when I really knew that I was having an impact and making a difference and and that's why, as a lifelong learner, which is really who I am, I knew I had to continue with this
0: yeah, no I love it and i've so i've set up i've helped to set up train the trainer courses, and you know i I know how how quick they are and, and how you know they're they're focused on the outcome rather than necessarily you know, the whole bigger picture element of the opportunity that's there. So yeah. So yeah, I, I can absolutely understand where you where you're coming from by having that background of knowledge and the, the intricacies of potentially what you're training and then also the people that you're training and and their needs. Yeah. Which which leads me nicely onto your 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 focus on introverts. So you you've you've said there at the start that you, you are an introvert. Um, mm-hmm. I am too. I've taken your questionnaire and uh, I've been validated as a, as an introvert as well. So, yeah, I, I'd love you to just, just share a little bit about where your passion to help introverts came from and indeed how how you go about doing that.
1: Mm. Well, I, I found out that I was an introvert in my 30s and I was away on a brilliant course that was run by Cranfield Management College. And that was the first time that I'd done the MBTI, the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator Questionnaire. I'd always known I was different. Even as a child, I knew I was different because I would be the one who'd take myself to bed early in order to read because then I could escape kind of into my own little world. And I'd never had many friends. And so I always knew I was different and I'd been mocked for it as a younger person. And in my 30s, that was when I discovered how I was different. And reading the profile, I know some people aren't fans of MBTI and I understand that, but for somebody to read it and see themselves there so clearly, it made the world of difference to me. But, and there is a but here, what it didn't do was help me understand how to play to my strengths So now I knew how I was different. And so because I was in this world of of training, of learning and development, where so many of my colleagues were big characters, entertaining types, what I then did was thought, aha, so now I know I'm an introvert. What I need to do is pretend to be extroverted. I need to adopt those extroverted behaviors in order to be accepted by them in order to really fit in and get on. And of course, what I now know is that's exactly the wrong approach because I'd fallen into complying with the extroversion bias that is present in education, that's present in organisations, that's present in society, actually. And so I you know, spent years trying to be something I wasn't and exhausting myself in the process until I reached the point that actually I knew I had to find the real me I had to reconnect with the real me and it came about I was working as an associate with an international training firm and Tony and I my husband were away on holiday and I just woke up one day and said I've got to leave I've got to stop this pretending and I knew that I couldn't stop pretending within the culture I was in I knew I had to leave I had to get out so that we were on holiday in the September and it was when I rang the managing partner of the business that I was associated with from France and by October I was out of there but then what happened was frankly fascinating I then realized that I was completely into introvert burnout So from October through to January, I sat staring at my computer screen thinking I ought to be doing something but not knowing what to do at all. And that's the point at which I realised that I wasn't going to be the only one experiencing this, that there were going to be other introverts who pulled themselves out of shape in order to fit in, get on, get noticed and the impact that it's taking on our mental health and well-being was too much for me to to bear, actually. And from that moment, although it was a long time in coming and a long time in development, I knew that what I wanted to do was create a business that enabled introverts to flourish as who they were naturally, whilst at the same time tackling the extroversion bias that exists in education and in business and that was the beginning of flourishing introverts
0: it's brilliant and I say the way you've articulated it there it's a great point in the way that it's a problem that you experience yourself there's a a few guests I've had on the show have been similar in the way that they've absolutely realized that there's a problem and that they've experienced firsthand and have kind of reversed that almost Uh, or turn that around and and went okay how can I solve this and I think Mm. that's such a strong platform to start with because you know it you know you know it probably better than anybody and that means you are the perfect person to come up with the solution and find the answers so that you know other people don't have to suffer or struggle in the same way so it's, uh, it's, it's a perfect platform to build
1: Thank you. And and it's certainly one that, you know, it's a, is a passion for me. So, yes, it's a business, but it's a passion. And I can't imagine me ever stopping this, actually.
0: Well, that's the great thing, isn't it? Kind of moving forwards, there's, uh, you know, there's always the opportunity to scale up or scale back, you know, and mm. it doesn't it doesn't have to it doesn't ever have to stop. And uh, I think that's that's a whole another conversation that we could have in, in terms of in terms of the opportunities and in terms of what kind of retirement it means in in you mm. know these day and age. Because I, I certainly don't think retirement means pipe and slippers. You know, I, I think it, there's so much more opportunity that comes. But uh, but yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's not delve into that one now. But uh, so in terms of the business, you know, and, and how you've created it, I, I know that you you still do some of your corporate training as well. Um yeah. but in, in terms of the platform that you've built for flourishing introverts, what does it consist of? What are the main things that, that you offer for introverts and how you help them?
1: Yeah, so I I have a a Facebook community and I've got to say right up front, I'm not a lover of Facebook. I see it as the devil's work in some way, but it's the easiest place to have a community. And one of the things we know about many introverts is that they're quite happy in that kind of community. So I've got a Facebook group called Introverts Corner, and it's something that I've been building over time. We've got about 500 um, people in the group, I guess, now, and there are other introvert groups. But what I've noticed and the difference I wanted in my particular platform Uh, or my particular group, was that I wanted it to be a positive space for introverts to say, yes, I'm an introvert, and I want to do so much more. Because what I've noticed about a lot of the other groups is that they're almost compounding how introverts are not capable of stuff. Now, my whole approach around how I share and teach around introversion is that Our basic need for recharging quietly or on our own, even if it's in companionable silence with another person, is very different to the behaviour that we use. So I'm capable of anything I choose, provided I am adequately recharged. My mental batteries are recharged to the point where I can do whatever it is I choose and that I've got time afterwards to recharge my batteries again. So, one of the things I've done, for instance, is my TEDx talk. Now, that took enormous you know, energy and, and mental strength for me, able to, for me to be able to do that. And in fact, if you listen really closely, you can hear when my voice nearly breaks during it. Mm-hmm. But I delivered it in my own introverted way. It wasn't fast paced, it wasn't packed with jokes it was meaningful, it was deliberate, it was considered, which is exactly how introverts really play to their own strengths. And that has been a very powerful platform for people to share. For instance, I was invited recently to um, contribute to a leadership summit, and they were looking for experts to talk about introversion and extroversion in the workplace. So I boldly offered my services, and shared my TEDx link. And the response came back, you know, I'd love to have you on the summit. Interestingly, I've had messages from 17 other people overnight, but you're the only one who's given me your TEDx talk, so I know that you've got some expertise in this area. And I thought just how how useful something like a TEDx talk is for our credibility. So one of the things that's important for me as a business owner is to be able to demonstrate that credibility and not just talk about it, but actually have assets that prove that I do have some credibility in a certain area. And, you know, the other key thing I think that is really useful for people is that I've got a questionnaire. You've already referred to it, Rob. And the questionnaire helps you identify what type of introvert you are, because we're not all the same. It's not that, you know, an introvert tick box done We might be a classic introvert who is everything we might imagine an introvert to be, but many of us are extroverted introverts and maybe not even one type, but a blend of different extroverted introverts. And I think it's really important for people to understand that when they hear people say, oh, I'm an ambivert, I'm a bit of both. Yes, technically there may be a few of those, but for most of us, if we strip it back to where do I get my energy from? Do I get it from those busy, loud, noisy environments and I don't care who it is? It just needs to be people and it needs to be busy. Or do I get my energy from, you know, a solo activity, recharging quietly on my own? That's what distinguishes an introvert and an extrovert. The fact that some of us are extroverted introverts and some of us are introverted extroverts doesn't mean we're ambiverts. Ambiverts are people who technically. Are equally charged by being in that business and by being on our own. So there are a few, but not as many as people think. So I'd say they're the, the main things that I've got in terms of how I'm building the credibility and the assets around my business.
0: Yeah, I love it. And I'll, I'll go through each of those one by one, but in reverse order. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, in, in terms, of, I, I love your question, I, I think it's amazing. And uh, I say it's, it's something that's, that's quoted in in Project Future alongside uh, Myers-Briggs and Insights Discovery and Belvin and all those things, because I, I think it justifies that status. Um, and when we first spoke, I, I think I said that I'm an ambivert. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was and that distinction that you make in terms of charging and how, how you get that energy told me that, yeah, absolutely, I'm an introvert, you know, and to take your questionnaire and realize that I, I think I'm a, a sociable, open, connected Introverts, so a a real combination of 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 the options there. But for people listening, you know, I'd I'd certainly recommend taking the questionnaire because it it just gives you that clarity. You know, like you said about about Myers Briggs. I remember I took Mm. I took Belbin uh, as a as as a twenty year old, and that was a really enlightening thing at the time
1: um, Mm.
0: to realize that I was a shaper, and you know, helped me go down the path as of being a project manager you know just from yeah. having having that categorization if you'd like so I think to, to take a step back and to look at your personality and how you can channel your personality to to help you have a kind of happier existence uh, I think your question is a, a brilliant place to start
1: yeah thanks and some people worry about you know you can't put me in a box you can't categorize me you know and in your case you truly are a blind as are many people But I think it was the social anthropologist, Peter Farb. I may have got the names or the title slightly wrong. But, you know, what he said was, if I've got it right, is that this is about useful categorisation. And we do that from the very early age. So, this isn't about putting you in a box. And a good friend of mine said, my type does not give me an excuse for my behavior. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's about self-awareness. It's about understanding who we are so that we have more choices.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Really brilliantly put. And, and certainly, you know, your TEDx talk, I, I thought that was fabulous. And how, how did that come about? You know how how did you get that opportunity? Because I think it was in Folkestone, if I remember rightly, that you did that.
1: Yeah, it was, which is quite close to me. I'm I'm down in Ashford in Kent, and okay. Folkestone's just along the M20, as it were. And it was one of those things that had always been on my list. I knew at some stage I wanted to do a TEDx talk, but didn't know what, didn't know what the topic was. And the more I got into this, the more I realised I now know what the topic is. I wanted it to be a sort of a cage rattling talk for businesses to go, do you know what, we really ought to pay attention to this. So I applied, I had to go through um, an interview, it was quite nerve wracking. There are a number of things, I think it's quite standard, where you have to send off a short video, you have to give a written explanation of why you want to do a talk and what the basis of your talk will be about, You have to say, which is one of your or your favourite TED talk? And that for me was a challenge because I've got so many that I really love. And from then you get selected. And Folkestone for me was the ideal place, not just because it was on my doorstep, but the training and coaching they gave us from the moment we found out in March through to when it was filmed in June was extraordinary we worked with actors, we worked on the stage so that we knew exactly how things were going to be. So it was a phenomenal experience that I thoroughly recommend to people. Fantastic.
0: I never realised there was so much that went into it. Yeah. In terms of not just the selection, but then the, the, the training that leads up to it.
1: Well, not all, um, not all TEDx franchises do that. That's what I think part of what makes Folkestone very special. I've heard there are some where you're told, yes, you're successful, turn up in three weeks Tuesday and deliver sort of thing. So I, <laughs> I, I think we were very lucky, very lucky. Yeah. And proof of the pudding from that particular group where we filmed in June 2019, four or five of the talks that day went on to be talk of the day with, you know, phenomenal numbers. One of my colleagues' numbers, for instance, he's up to nearly a million views already. So just proves the value of that kind of training and devotion. Absolutely.
0: And uh, like like so many things, you know, you get out of it what you what you put in as well. So, Indeed, no, fantastic stuff. And and finally, on your your kind of ecosystem there, your 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 Facebook community, I think it's a great place. It's it's a safe environment, isn't it? And people have got very different priorities. Is perhaps the wrong word, but very different considerations. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. a lot it's a lot wider as a community in terms of the scope than many Facebook groups. But it's it's a very warm and welcoming place, isn't it?
1: Yeah, thank you. And that's exactly what I want it to be. And I'm also quite tough. So if there are people who go into the whole complaining and telling me what they can't do because they're an introvert, then it's a few words. And if needs be, they're out of the community because there are plenty of other groups that that's what it's all about. Not mine. though.
0: No, in, indeed. And I, I think the, you know, the opportunity that comes from having a supporting community to, to help get things done and help overcome barriers is a really great thing. So you've touched on the extroversion bias. I know that it's something that you're really passionate about in terms of trying to move society away from that. So what is the approach or what what can be done either within a workplace or by an individual to to try and overcome the extroversion bias and, and make things that much more equitable?
1: Yeah, I have a process that I use when I'm working with corporates. And because you're right, I still do quite a lot of corporate training. And guess what? I talk about introversion, extroversion quite a lot on any courses that I'm running. But the process that I use when a client decides actually that this is something they need to pay attention to, because in my world, this is this aspect of neurodiversity is part of or should be part of the diversity, equity and inclusion agenda. And if businesses aren't taking it seriously, then they need to have a bit of a think about it. So the process that I use is firstly that we do an audit. So I spend some time in the business, either talking with people, observing, understanding what happens so that we can actually identify where the bias exists. And it can be in everyday business practices and processes. It can be in the way meetings are structured. It can be in the way problem solving happens. It can be in the way recruitment happens, assessment, promotion. You know, it literally can be absolutely everywhere in the business. Once we've done that audit, what we then got a good feel for is which processes need to change. So the next part of the process is we make changes to that. So it's the edit part of the process. So we've got audit. We've then got edit. And of course, there's no point. Anyone who's a change manager will understand this. There's no point changing a process only to have it slip back into the way things used to be. Mm -hmm. So the third part of the process looks at how do we hold it? So the process is audit, edit, hold it so that what we've got is something that is making a change for good and is sustainable. So we even look at things um, that I've taken from the world of addiction work, for instance, which is around relapse prevention. You know, when are the times we're likely to slip back into the way things were and we make sure that we've got things like that covered? So I think it's a really good, robust process. And, you know, it's making a difference to the way organisations are starting to level the playing field for people. I'm not looking for special treatment for introverts what I'm looking for is a level playing field and and that's for me what equitable inclusion is all about.
0: And it's a great process you've got there three steps and it works so well doesn't it because it's because it's so simple as well.
1: Exactly yeah.
0: Yeah and uh, you know having worked in you know so many of these corporate environments you know in various different guises over the years it's so easy to see isn't it how those that That shout the loudest make the most noise are often get the most attention unfortunately Mm in in whatever whatever that means and yeah it's easy to miss somebody kind of quietly going about their work there's the example that I gave you know when I was uh, lucky enough to be a guest on your podcast wasn't there about you know bringing somebody into the conversation who provides the solution and you know but if if nobody brings them into the conversation they won't speak up and uh, I think that's that's often the way and you know business i think has a responsibility to ensure that that everybody has their voice heard or the opportunity at least to to have their voice heard should, should they wish to to share something
1: absolutely agree and, and you know what you talked about on my podcast was incredibly helpful because it's those simple things that make a world of difference and we don't employ people not to benefit from their expertise so let's just go that extra step and understand how we can access their expertise
0: yeah um, and when things are moving along at 100, 100 miles an hour you know it's the old adage as a project manager is that you're too busy to plan and you know <laughs> I, I, I dare say it's it's similar in 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 your space you know you're necessarily too busy to to necessarily focus on some of these things that would enable us to get the most out of our people and enable them to thrive as, as much as they can in in the environment.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: So what are your plans for the future? What's next?
1: Plans for the future is to shift the balance a bit so that I'm doing slightly less corporate work and more uh, flourishing introverts work with or with organisations, so less of the standard corporate training. But also to start to get into education and helping educators understand that, you know, this bias starts really early. By the time children have got into their kind of senior schools and on into their degree course or on into education, many of them are already feeling like they're not enough being who they are because they've already had maybe a decade or more of being told to be different, to speak up, to push yourself forward more. And it just, with all the mental health problems we have right now, let's take that pressure off. And rather than trying to force introverts to be more extroverted to fit in, let's enable introverts to be who they are and capitalise on their natural strengths. Yeah, it's, it's a great thing. So for me, it's about, yes, carrying on working with the corporates. But somebody pointed out to me, and I can't claim that I was the one who saw this, Rob, so it's quite funny, really. But they said, you know, if you get this sorted out in education system, by the time those people get into the world of work and the workplace, actually, it's not going to be an issue for them because they already know that this is about appreciating difference. It's about valuing difference. It's not about then alienating or marginalising someone because they are different.
0: Yeah, no, that's brilliant. And I think the more we can get things done in the early early stage of, of a person's life, I think the, the better the opportunity is and the less the less backfill there needs to be, the, the less things need to be fixed if they're kind of set up in the right way first time, if you like. Yeah. And you know, I I've, I've always thought individually that I can make most benefit and most value going in at the start of a, a journey before things necessarily need yeah. to be need to be fixed. And yeah, any the opportunity that comes with that with so many changes happening, you know, in, in the world of education and more to come, I, I dare say, in in the decade ahead, with with technology and uh, the the availability of different thought processes and, and different ways of working, and education, of course, needing to enable the workplace uh, because mm-hmm. the workplace is is changing so dramatically at, at such a pace as well, um, and how how we work and what what we do for work and you know all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I wish you every success with uh, with, with that venture. Thank you. So before we finish, uh, there's four questions that I ask every guest on the show. So I'd love to know what's the one best piece of advice you would give to somebody thinking about starting their own business today?
1: I think the, the advice that comes from me is born out of my own experience, which is to be flexible. So yes, you might have really clear plans about how you want things to be, but you've just mentioned it, the world is changing fast around us. So, it's about being flexible. It's about being adaptable, not to bend yourself out of shape and end up in a direction you really don't want to go, but to be responsive to that, to make sure that your brand is still relevant and is still current. So, do a regular almost audit and update on your own brand so that you know it's fit for purpose in the way the business world is right now. So, I think best advice is hold it lightly was a word as a phrase used to to describe something like this rather than being too attached to it rather than thinking you failed because it didn't turn out the way you wanted to hold it lightly be flexible go with the flow a little bit and see where it takes you as I say I've benefited from the organic growth and I don't think I'd have wanted it any other way now Mm
0: -hmm. yeah i love it i think you know that being flexible is so key isn't it and you know there's only so much planning we can do and you know even the best laid plans you know have to adapt to to circumstances and i say as as you did right at the very start of your journey when that six months uh kind of went out the window and you know you got started straight away effectively so yeah brilliant advice there so What do you know now uh, that you wish you knew back at the very start of your journey?
1: I don't know if it's at the very start of my journey, but it's certainly been quite recent. And it's that not all shiny objects are valuable, (laughs) (laughs) especially as the world of online business has opened up so dramatically over the last few years there are so many people with these tempting offers and how they their one thing can you know sort your business out and it can really help you and I fell foul of some of them to begin with because I wasn't discerning enough because I was very trusting that surely people wouldn't put an offer out there if it didn't deliver what they promised it would deliver, and that's down to me and my values because I would never do that either so i i've I wish I knew at the outset. That not everyone is as trustworthy, let me say, or has the standards that I do, which means that not all shiny objects have real value. So be really discerning.
0: No, uh, it's, it's another great point, and and certainly, I think you know you, you mentioned you know Facebook and your views on that earlier, and you know mm-hmm. although your community's there and things, and we are kind of inundated with ads and things you know on there at all times, and you often get. A, a sneak peek don't you without necessarily seeing or hearing what the the true outcome is before signing up for something you know just as as, as one example of a a platform that's available there and you know I, I think it can be so tricky with the ways that we can buy things now because you yeah. don't necessarily have to go and buy something from you know a shop uh that's been there for 20 years and have got their reputation built in as a result of being there for 20 years you know so it, things can be a lot more vague now can't they in in terms of what you're buying and from whom and the authenticity of it Uh, unfortunately you know I think it's a real shame because in an ideal world we would be able to kind of trust the authenticity but Mm -hmm. but we can't and we we do have to be a lot more aware of of the potential downside as well and and do you know kind of do homework before purchasing things so yeah
1: yeah um, absolutely get that do the due diligence. It's worth every penny.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So is there a resource, uh, be it a book, a podcast, a website, anything like that that you'd recommend uh, to help people either in, in your space or, or more generically?
1: I think one of the resources I'd recommend is um, Simon Sinek and his Start With Why because I think that's such an important area. And it was hard for me to choose just one because there are so many different things I could have recommended. But I think that's a fabulous place to start, actually, is to really connect with and know your why, because everything then will follow on from that. So I think that's one of the things I'd recommend people to have a look at. He's an introvert, actually, which I didn't know at the time, but I found yeah. this little clip of him talking about, you know, as an introvert, he goes to, networking events and parties with extroverts so that he just stands at their shoulder and kind of nods along and I think it's brilliant absolutely brilliant <laughs> so yeah Simon Sinek is somebody I'd thoroughly recommend
0: fantastic yeah and, and Simon Sinek's come up a few times on on the show and it, it's great to see you know now being 30 or so episodes in that they're starting to be a pattern and they're starting to, I'm starting to see kind of repeat recommendations and you could almost right. build a tally, you know, and a, <laughs> a, a, a poll of, of, you know, those kind of uh, people in that space that, that are credible, as you say, in terms of a following and are kind of worth investing in. And certainly, you know, his Ted talk, uh, the, the mm. one about start with why was a, it's a great example of repetition. Um, so he, he, he uses the, the, the phraseology, consistently throughout mm. and and you can't forget it you know it's, exactly. it's one of those things that once you've watched it once uh, it, it's absolutely there in terms of paying attention to so so yeah no great stuff and is there a guest that you'd recommend for a future episode of the show
1: I would and I, I think uh, she contributed to your book actually so you may have reached out to her already but I'd thoroughly recommend Linda Holt because Linda has been a mentor of mine for some time and Linda has been extraordinary in the way that she helps people get out of their own way. Because what I found is that even talking to some of the introverts, you know, they they'd love to do something like set up their own business, but don't feel they can. You know, that either their inner critic is too loud or they don't feel they have the skills, the knowledge, or the expertise. And Linda's work is all around being brave. It's about bringing courage to that and surprising yourself. So if you haven't already reached out, I'd say absolutely reach out to Linda Holt.
0: Yeah, Thank you. And so you, you introduced me to Linda in the first place. And yeah. uh, I'm very fortunate to have her as a contributor to as a Project Future. And yeah, the the, the psychology angle that, that mm. she brings to things was absolutely something that I couldn't deliver myself. So when it comes to kind of partnerships and bringing people into your team, you know, to kind of help to, to deliver, you know, the the wider aspect of things. So just just like with you, uh, so the the book is so much stronger um, having Linda's involvement in it. Yeah, you know, she's only on two pages, I think, but that's enough. And yeah, and yeah. And when I when I first spoke with her, I got a huge amount of value. So so yes, absolutely. I'll um, I really look forward to uh, to having another conversation with her and uh, and hopefully having it published. So uh, thank you.
1: You're welcome.
0: And just finally, if people would like to find out more about you and about flourishing introverts, then where should they go and what should they do?
1: So there's a one stop shop that they can go to, which is uh, all the W's flourishingintroverts.com. There you'll find my podcast, you'll find my TEDx talk, you'll find the questionnaire. You'll find some of my musings. You'll find some of the places I've been published and and spoken at. So that's the one-stop shop. Everything is available through that.
0: Fantastic. Nice and simple. So, well, thank you so much. It's been great fun and enlightening as always. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Thanks, Rob. Really appreciate it. I've enjoyed it.
0: Thank you for listening to the show today. One of the unexpected themes on this show has been the prevalence of people looking to make a difference within education. It makes sense in many ways. As I note during the conversation, prevention is better than cure. And it's our duty as a society to enable and empower the next generation to both understand and thrive in the society around them. Joanna simplifies what can be a complicated subject in such a way that it makes it easy to understand for both individuals and those leaders who aren't necessarily providing an environment that enables their team to thrive. And I believe her work is truly vital. On next week's episode, I speak with Tracy and Ian Earl on building business relationships. So set a reminder in your diary to listen during your Tuesday morning commute, dog walk or run. Thank you for listening. Until next time, keep launching and building those amazing businesses that give you satisfaction and balance.